Welcome back, everyone, to Law School Life and Beyond's Leadership Series. My name is Katia, and I am the host of this podcast. On today's episode, I am joined by a very special guest, Mr. John Bidoff. And for those of you who are not already familiar with who Mr. Bidoff is, he actually is the founder of the Toronto Raptors. I am really excited to speak with Mr. Bidoff today about how his legal degree has serviced his very impressive career in business, um, especially because he attended Windsor Law like myself. So with that... Thank you so much, Mr. Bidoff, for joining me today. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Yes. So my first question, actually, that I wanted to ask you was, what made you decide to pursue your undergraduate degree in the States? I know you went to Indiana University. I played football my uh, my uh, frost year, um, oh. my first year, my freshman year. And um, I just, you know, kind of always wanted to go to an American school, do something different. All my friends were going to the Ontario universities. I wanted to do something different. Okay, cool. And then did you know at that point you wanted to pursue further education and that being a law degree or no? Yeah, I think I did. I th- I'm pretty, I'm like, I kind of always wanted to be a lawyer. I don't know why. I just figured I, you know, I'd, I'd like to have a, a legal background or, or, you know, or be a lawyer. Okay. And did you want to pursue that in the States or you knew Canada? Canada. I was always coming back to Toronto no matter what. Okay. Okay. And, um, did you take some time off in between undergrad and law school or did you go right through? I did not. I did the reverse. I got into law school early. So I, 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 I left and then finished my undergrad degree during my summers. Oh, wow. Okay. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so how was your law school experience? Um, I'm actually a university of Windsor student also. So I'm in third year. I'm graduating this year. And then what are you going to do? Uh, that's the million dollar question. Um, at this point, it, uh, I'm not, I like to call myself a generalist. I like a little bit of everything. I'm an expert at none, so I'm pretty flexible. But um, what about you? How was your, first of all, your time in Windsor? Well, I love being in Windsor. I loved the access to Detroit. Yes. Um, and and because, you know, you're in a major city when you're in Windsor. It's yes. not, uh, in fact, you know, back back in those days, Windsor, Detroit even had a lot more to offer than Toronto did. It's a little different now, but mm. Um, and, and, uh, and, you know, it was a great school. I, I enjoyed, uh, my, my classes, uh, my cohorts for the most part. I think I was the youngest in my year. So that was, you know, a little different at the beginning, but it was, was no big deal. Um, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was great. Okay. And, um, when you were in law school, did you have any idea of what type of law you wanted to pursue or, what was your kind of thinking on that? Yeah, no, I always knew if I was going to do law, it was going to be corporate law. I mean, I'm not the litigation type or the, you know, family law or any of the other, you know, specialties. I, I loved, you know, intellectual property and that stuff. But I just I always knew I was I was on the, um, uh, you know, I was going to be on the corporate side. Okay. Was there ever a question of whether you wanted to stay in Windsor, Detroit area or you knew Toronto was where you wanted to be? You know, I never really even thought about it, but I think as I went through school and my whole family was in Toronto, it was, you know, it was just easier to think like at some point I'm going to go back. But I mean, I've like, because, you know, I had relatives in the States and everything like Windsor was, you know, we'd always pass through or stop there. I I even had relatives in Windsor when I was, you know, younger kind of thing. So it was always kind of like, I always felt home there. Mm -hmm. I never felt like I was in a different or foreign place. That's nice. And I think what's so underrated about Windsor is, like you said, that Detroit is here. And um, so you get all the perks of a big city, but none of the real drawbacks because I can come back to Windsor and county areas and it'd be a little bit more relaxed. But then any major sports team is in Detroit. There's an airport. There's Absolutely. And in those days, all you needed was your driver's license to cross the border. You didn't even need a passport. Yes. No, exactly. Exactly. Now we have the Nexus and that's pretty that's pretty quick. 
Um, so where did you end up after you graduated law school then? Where did you article? I articled in Ottawa with Galling and Henderson. Cool. And um, I got active politically. And then I worked in the deputy prime minister's office for two years. Wow. Right after articling. And so I lived in Ottawa almost three years. Wow. So you were practicing lawyer for, in the traditional sense, for roughly? No, I was, uh, I was, uh, I was political staff. So I went from articling to being on, uh, on the political staff. But part of my job was, was reviewing all the regulations that were going to be passed by cabinet as well as uh, proposed legislation. I worked on the new electoral reforms and all that kind of stuff. So it was a quasi legal job in a, in a, uh, in a, you know, government position. Okay. Okay. And then from there, so that was three years. You said you were in Ottawa. From there, you moved back to Toronto. Then I went into the family business for four years, which was uh, large scale catering, airports, hospitals, and then uh, and then I I left to pursue the Raptors when we when we got the Raptor um, Raptor franchise for Canada. I uh, for Toronto um, that became a full time job. Okay, cool. So I'm definitely going to ask you about that. Um, but I kind of wanted to just pick your brain about why you um, or do you ever think about the practicing law in the traditional sense or was that something that you ever wanted to spend more time with no i i didn't know i didn't really know in fact i think when i initially went to law school i intended to be a lawyer it was when i was articling um i just like i really liked working on transactions and there was like a couple big deals that we worked on where i kind of aspired to be more the client than the advisor Okay. And that's where it kind of clicked where I was like, mm, I, I can do what they do. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's more diversity. It's less constraining, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So that's really what, what, what clicked is it was during articling and working on a couple of big closings and deals where I was like, man, I, I, I think I'd, I'd like, I'd like to be on the business side of this. Okay. That's kind of cool that you realized that that early on in your career. Yeah, I think I think I was you know part of it was lucky. I was lucky to you know to have those situations while I was articling where I was like you know wow that's you know I was lucky in undergrad to say I want to go to law school. I was lucky in law school to say I want to focus on the corporate stuff more than the other. And I was lucky when I got in the articling doing most of the corporate stuff that I you know I saw the opportunities to what it would be like to be on the client side. Mm-hmm. You just came, you saw, you conquered. That makes sense. <laughs> I just I I I. Life's about creating, I say this all the time, life's about creating options and optionality. And you never really know what you're going to be doing three or five years from now, but you want to be able to choose what you're going to be doing three or five years from now. It's a very important distinction. I like that a lot. Um, so then in your current role, I, I just kind of, I guess I'm curious as to how you find that your legal education has serviced you in your career, not even in your current role, but in your career as a whole. It's the most important tool I have. Really? Why do you say that? Because... Legal issues come up nonstop, mm-hmm. and having a legal training allows you to—I won't say challenge the lawyers, but have a heartier discussion. Like there, there's always issues that come up where you 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 need to like make judgment calls on that. And I think the the you know having that educational background just really prepares you for those discussions. But just as importantly. Um, and this is where I really thank law school. There's a there's a whole thought process that goes behind how you come to uh, decisions and reasons that you learn in law school, and you don't really. I don't think you learn it in anything else. Maybe engineering in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And and I just you know you 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 apply that skill set to every time you have to analyze a decision. You really do. Mm-hmm. You you gather the facts. <laughs> you hear the testimony or the evidence. You you know you look at precedents one way or the other, and then you try and make a sound decision that that you know. Um, that you can go with. Like, it's just, it just, it happens over and over again. And I don't think I had any of that kind of analysis uh, before I graduated from law school. Okay. And, and it must just help to really speak the language too. It you, does. You're not going into something completely blind and dependent on other people. You're not. And then there's things that come up where lawyers actually give you, you know, they'll say, and you know, intellectual property is the easiest one where they say, I wouldn't go with that brand or that name because, you know, or, or that logo because, it could be challenged and you go like, but, but where can it be challenged? Like, like how, you know, how can it happen? Like what, what, you know, just, and in corporate law, you find that all the time. There's wording tax law. You find it all the time where there's, you know, that's not, I don't read the act to say that, you know, show me where it says that in the act. Like you would never, you would never say, show me where it says that in the act if you didn't go to law school. So then I have to ask, do lawyers enjoy working with you? (laughs) Now you have to ask them. <laughs> I'm sure. You, I'm sure you all make a very good team together. Yeah, we have. We we we've we've we're very collaborative. We've got a good team. I think they like the fact that I'm a business client who understands their their issues, and that sometimes I think a lot of business people get frustrated when they don't get a yes or a no out of a lawyer. And you know, I think that's another thing is is you realize that good chunk of business is in the gray, and you just have to. You have to do your research and figure out, you know, are, which side of the gray line are you on, the black or the white? Yeah. I mean, you had three years of it depends. So, you know, exactly yeah. how that's going to play out in the career or sorry, yep. the business sphere. Um, so then how do you find that your marketing degree at Indiana helps you also then? Ah, well, I, 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 I think it's no surprise that I love the consumer facing businesses and everything else. And I think that's probably part of why I went to marketing and why I love I love things. I love brands, you know, concepts where you can promote things and touch the consumer and, you know, whether it's, whether it's selling basketball to Canadians or satellite radio to uh, Canadians or, you know, fried chicken, whatever it is, um, you have to take the strengths of that business and convince people it's what they want. Mm -hmm. Okay. And because you were kind of politically active, you never thought about pursuing political science at all in undergrad. It was always going to be marketing. Yeah, no, I, 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 no, I, I never wanted, um, I, I wanted tools for later in life. I never wanted to be a politician, so to speak. Fair. <laughs> Fair. Um, so then I'm going to start with what was your inspiration and vision for bringing Canada, um, for bringing a Canadian team to the NBA? Well, I, I loved basketball as a sport i played it my whole life uh, when i was at windsor we'd go to the pistons games all the time even though they used to play in the silver dome back then yeah um and i just inherently believed that toronto could support a team and uh i think the other opportunity was we were the only original six nhl franchise without a new arena and i thought you know what if i get the raptors i can build the air canada center slash scotia bank arena and you know get that done for my city. So it was, it was a combination of the two. Wow. And I watched your, or listened to your podcast with, I think it was amateur hour sports. And you had said it was from two years ago. You had said in that interview that, um, your pitch to the NBA was, um, 
it wasn't very flashy and it was kind of just like a meat and potatoes kind of pitch. And I want, I want to know if that was a uniquely Canadian kind of pitch that it was very humble. Um, yeah, I, you're probably right. I never thought of it that way, but it was, it was, it was not flash. It was just the facts and what we would do and why we would do it. And I really think that, um, I listened to a, a someone sent me a speech that I gave the Canadian club 30 years ago. Mm. It's hard to believe it, like almost 30 years ago. It's hard to believe it's that long. But in any event, I talked then about, you know, if we're not if we're not strong in the community, it doesn't matter how successful we are on the court. And I think that part, a big part of the Raptors' strength is is just we recognize from day one this is more than a sports team. It's, it's about growing the community, um, growing the sport, having a good team, you know, doing charitable endeavors, all these things that are like that sports teams can do in the right setup. A lot of them didn't used to. I mean, no, we were the first franchise sports team in Canada to have a foundation that went out and did charitable endeavors. Like back then, it would be like, okay, here's a pair of tickets or whatever. Like it, these are all common things now, but they weren't being done back then. Wow. And I think that I think the NBA saw that 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 vision of 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 what we were doing that we just didn't want a basketball team. We 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 wanted to grow a a sport and a culture and build an arena and everything that would you know take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I think that is uniquely Canadian. I don't know that humble aspect. Yeah. I love that. I agree. Yeah. And so at what point did you, in your career, did you decide that you want to do this? Uh, Well, I I, I don't know if there's a a young male person in North America that doesn't want to own a sports team. So um, (laughs) I think that, you know, that was always there. It's just, it's just basketball was growing and the league was expanding and the opportunity was there. And so, you know, I went for it. Okay, cool. So I guess my last thing that I kind of wanted to ask you was, do you have any advice for, I'll start with, you know what, um, I'll start with the legal aspect and then a business uh, perspective. So do you have any advice for future and current law students? Is this for someone thinking about law school or someone who's in law school or both? Um, both. Well, I'd say, I'd say, I'd say that people who are thinking about law school should approach it like I ended up approaching it, not, not when I went in, but that whether you want to be a lawyer or not, it is a phenomenal tool to have in life and in business in terms of the education you get. And I'd say for, for someone who's in law school, don't feel like you have to figure out what you're doing the day you graduate and worry about am I picking the right path because that will come like you're going to have such a great set of tools do things that you want to do not that you have to do and Mm -hmm. and grow with it like it's just it's you know whether you want to run a charity or whether you want to work in a law firm or whether you want to you know go in the HR department and end up doing labor relations like there's just so many opportunities that are beyond being a a lawyer in a law firm Mm -hmm. Um, don't pigeonhole yourself Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. And I think that that's what's so cool about a law degree is that it's so versatile. And it also just adds instant credibility. Um, and like, I remember I was arguing, I'm a waitress at a bar and I was arguing with one of my customers about something political. And he said to me, well, I don't have to listen to you. You're just a waitress. And I was like, well, Roger, I'm going to go to law school and spend an infinite amount of money and come back with the exact same opinion. And then you'll believe me. Well, and it is, you know, that's very true. Like the general population is intimidated by lawyers. Yes. 
And when someone says they are a lawyer and they're arguing with them, they're like, oh, I'm good. That means I'm, they already, they already start with this. Oh, I'm going to lose <laughs> no, <laughs> mentality. Like, and, and, uh, I think, look, I like a lot of that is what we talked about earlier is because you do learn how to process things differently with a law degree. But, um, but yeah, there is a, there is a, there is a, an educational status that comes with it that, you know, obviously some people abuse, but for the most part, um, gives people the right to discuss or argue things in a different light because they've better prepared. And they got the tools. No, you're right. And uh, so given how successful you've been in your career, I, I have to ask then what advice do you have for young people that are looking to take on a business venture like you? Don't be afraid. Like everyone's got ideas and, and you just, you have to find, you know, don't be a dreamer, try and be realistic, but, mm. um, you know, any, any well thought out plan can raise money. Uh, it all comes down to the execution. Mm. So, you know, I'd say the other thing is, you know, listen to older people talk and do your homework. Like mm. just because you want to open a store, you should probably talk to five people who've opened stores and said like, you know, what's good and bad about opening a store. If I want to, you know, it's just like, do your homework. I think a lot of, a lot of people sometimes get an idea in their head and they just charge ahead and do it and they don't mm. do the homework. And a lot of times the homework is just talking to others, listening to others, you know, legally we call it due diligence, but you know, in real life it's, it's listening, mm. it's asking questions and listening and, and, um, and, and being practical in the answers, not listening for what you want to hear, but, but trying to have an open mind when, when you ask someone a question, have an open mind of what they're telling you. Don't, force it to say, Oh, they're just confirming everything. I thought mm-hmm. Okay. those people always, I shouldn't say always feel, but a lot of time those people do feel because they're not listening. They're just, they're, they're gathering facts to support their theory as opposed to, um, trying to assess whether, uh, something should be done or not. Mm-hmm. And looking at the situation holistically, you're right. Correct. Um, and I think a big lesson actually that I'm learning from everything that I've learned about you in this interview is also remaining true to yourself without sounding too airy fairy. But I think that, um, the way that you approached pitching the Raptors to the NBA was very true to, I, I mean, I assume it was true to yourself and how you thought that this would be successful and that's what made it successful. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, uh, everyone can get high on their own bridges, but, you know, we're here for a limited time. People, uh, you, you try and make an impact as as much as you can, but you're just, at the end of the day, your friends, your family, everyone's just the same. So, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter uh, how many planes or homes or boats you have at the end of the day. Um, it's all going to be gone. So just, uh, just be practical about it and, and, and enjoy it in a humble way. And, and, um, you know, and then, and then give back when you can. I think a lot, uh, you know, that's the other thing I'd say to people as, as they do start making money and they do become established, some of the best joys you get is from the charity work you do or the mentoring you do or the, I mean, everyone, everyone, you know, a lot of times they ask me, what am I proudest of the Raptors? And I talk about, well, you know, the fact that, you know, how many Canadian, half the country watched the NBA finals or when I was a kid, no one had basketball hoops. And now pretty much every driveway has a basketball hoop. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, but, and those are all things that I talk about are the Raptors even winning, you know, et cetera. But, but, but one of the most important, if not the most impactful thing I've done is, is I think there's eight people who work for me who are either like running sports organizations or teams or whatever. And, you know, it's 
it's so you say to yourself, well, was that luck that they ended up with me, or did what did I did I mentor them or do something that inspired them? Or who knows? But it just feels great to see their success because their success is, you know, is 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 you know you feel part of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, do you have anything uh, big planned? Like, what's next? Oh, as I said, you never know what two, three, <laughs> five years from now. I've got. There's all kinds of stuff happening, but I just, you never know which ones are real and which ones aren't real. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. Um, This was really, really nice. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. You're welcome. Good luck. Thank you. And that concludes today's episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in as always. And be sure to tune in next week for Law School Life and Beyond's next episode of the Leadership Series.